Hello, podcast listeners. You're listening to another episode of The Long Journey Home. I'm your host, Corbin Johnson. And today I thought I would discuss in some detail, just for fun, a comparison of Star Trek customizable card game to Magic the Gathering. So I've got a friend who's been getting into Magic. Um, yeah. And as a bonus, he is giving me on occasion some copies of his extra commons and uncommons so that on occasion he and I can I guess play. I've decided not to start collecting magic at least not in any I'm I'm not going to spend any money on it. It's uh, you know it's an interesting game and all that but um, I don't have the time the energy whatever to kind of collect another game. Although I'm very curious and I've been kind of following the uh the game in general and just what's going on with it. So, I don't know. I thought I'd talk about comparing first edition and second edition to Magic and just kind of snowball some thoughts, kind of brainstorm out loud here. So, the first thing I think about when I think of Magic is kind of, you know, you've got five colors and its longevity. It's the first Magic. I mean, it's the first card game, customizable card game, supposedly. If I'm wrong about that, let me know. It, if it wasn't for it, there would be no Star Trek CCG, etc., etc. And yeah, because it's the it was the first and it's still around. It's the longest running game. Uh, it's it's professionally supported. It's people are paid good money to make the game, so. Wizards is well invested into it, and they're spending a lot of time and effort, and they give out big prizes. It's the most played card game in the world, millions of players. Sealed product for Magic, it continues to go up in value. Uh, If I was to pick a game and say, this game will last the longest and it's going to possibly be the biggest ROI for anyone, it probably would be that. Is it fun? Is it fun? Well, so I, I've only played a few games of Magic. Of, you know, here's a deck, play with it. You know, the rules are simple, right? You play a land, you play a card. If you have the, man, the mana to pay for it, play as many cards as you want, as long as you have the mana to pay for it, and then you battle. Or you basically want to get your opponent down to zero. You know, and much like how Star Trek CCG is about attempting missions and solving, especially second edition, you don't always have to win with the primary kind of objective. Of course, the objective in Magic is to drain your opponent to zero, but in Star Trek, and in Star Trek, your objective is to score 100 points. How you do that is up to the player, and you can get creative in many ways. So, I like that aspect of Magic. You don't always have to just put creatures out in battle. Most of the time, you're going to do that, but there's other cards and other tricks and other things like that to do that. So, so I like I like Star Trek. I liked Star Trek originally when I started playing because there were characters that I knew and loved, and I could play with them and send them on missions and send them to their death or have them, you know, do whatever. And it was fun, and other people enjoyed doing this, so I, I enjoyed doing it as well. I think Magic's kind of, you know, so Star Trek had a property behind it. And I love the property, and that's why I like the game. Magic's the other way around. You have to like the game, and then you kind of, if you really like the game, 
you kind of get into the extended universe that's been created around magic. And Wizards is, from what I, I've listened to on Mark Rosewater's podcast that uh, I'm shamelessly borrowing an idea from, <laughs> uh, he says that, that there are people who really keep in check the whole universe of magic and make sure that there's no contradiction and not and keep it up and make it interesting and that sort of thing. So, so magic is, in my opinion, game first, universe second, and Star Trek, at least without Star Trek, the property, there would be no game. You could always, and then of course Decipher did Wars, and that was kind of their take on the magic model we've got an awesome game, let's make a property around it. So, but we all saw how that panned out. Um, so, as much as I love, you know, the game of Star Trek CCG, I think my love for the, the TV show is bigger than, than the game itself. I, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I, I'm kind of split on that, actually. You know, I the show's great, but at the end of the day, I mean, I would enjoy playing a game or watching an episode of Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, I've seen almost all the Trek, of course, so, you know, I can only, I mean, I can always rewatch an episode, but uh, with Star Trek, the card game, there's always a new deck or a new affiliation, something I haven't tried, so that's always fresh, which is great. So, you compare that to Magic, Magic has, oh my god, you know, Magic, you kind of think about the total number of cards in the game. Uh, Star Trek's got 3,000 per edition, and Magic's got tens of thousands. I wouldn't be surprised if they've hit 50,000. Uh, it's just phenomenal. And they have so many sub-formats. You know, we have standard, or, yeah, TUI has standard, and traditional, and whatnot. And 1E has block now, and OTFs, but Magic has their so-called, you know, their block format, and I'm sure Trek shamelessly borrowed from and was inspired by, I guess that's the right way to put it, they were inspired by it. So, Magic's got, you know, tons of different formats to play. You don't have to collect everything. You can just play small, with a small collection, um, and just kind of play for the year in their Type 2 or Standard, whatever they call it now. And, I, I mean, there's a stark contrast between the two games. My entire collection of Trek, I can play with, minus Raise the Stakes, I guess, and several banned cards in OTF. Whereas in Magic, I could play with, you know, the entire collection. There is a format for it, but it, it's very, very, very expensive. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I think it comes down to passion and money, right? Star Trek is fairly easy to get into. Some cards are becoming highly, highly sought after and are expensive, but even the most expensive Star Trek card, which is probably the ultra-rare James T. Kirk from the motion pictures, or maybe some of the very rare second edition foils. The prices on those pale in comparison to just even one, you know, if you wanted to play 
uh, their Type 1 format, you, <laughs> you're probably looking at tens of thousands of dollars to actually build such a deck. Whereas the most expensive card game in Star Trek is probably two or three hundred dollars. Either way, it's... <laughs> you don't need those cards, and some of those cards are printable. Most of the very expensive cards in Star Trek are printable, even all good things is... Uh, many of those cards are starting to become printable. Which means that the barrier to entry Star Trek is, you know, vastly lower. Vastly lower than Magic. Now, even if you wanted to just go... You could you can play Magic, though, for, like, 20 or $30. You go to a draft night and just play and have some fun. Uh, but if you want to play competitively in uh, whatever their block format is, I think you're looking at hundreds, hundreds of dollars, and maybe a thousand dollars. And then you, after the year's over, you get, I guess you can continue to play that in the extended block or in the modern format. But eventually, uh, the money, the investment is is going to supersede the Trek investment, right? So at the end of the day, um, you, I, I guess the whole point of playing a game, right, is to have fun. And to quantify how much fun you'd have, you'd need to think about it, I guess, in terms of fun per dollars, I guess? I, I suppose, I don't know if that's what I do, but uh, I think I stick with Star Trek because I've had a collection. The game is very well supported still, and and I'm, you know, I'm on board with how they're supporting it, so I'm happy to stick around. So, I just, I guess my investment of uh, probably a couple thousand dollars, I just don't want to see disappear, and that's it, and no more support, no more fun. So, and then I could, you know, I could sell that, get into Magic, but eventually, I don't know, I, I, I'd buy some cards, I wouldn't even know where to start. Would I start with the, you know, if I theoretically wanted to become a Magic player? Would I start with the newest block and then maybe continue to play with those cards? I'd eventually run out of money from the Trek purchase, and I don't think I'd want to spend any more unless, you know, that's the thing. I, I couldn't do it, but there are those, and I'm sure I'm sure plenty of Star Trek players went and played Magic. You know, and then at the end of the day, right, you know, am I having more fun playing Trek than I would say, playing a $50 board game like Dominion or Power Grid or something, you know. Um, it's just a personal decision, obviously. My audience that's listening to this go, of course, you know, Dominion's super fun. I love playing Dominion, but it's not Star Trek. That's what they're going to say. So, you know, is it is it magic? It's not magic either. But, you know, we, we play Trek because we love it. And we're, we're vested, we're, in, we're invested, rather. And we're just going to keep playing, I think, until someone takes a license or until support for the game falls through, which I don't see happening anytime soon. So, you know, very exciting. But magic, right? So, you know, you, you can play magic. There, there's alternative ways to play magic as well. You can always play magic. There's some delightful iPhone apps and iPad apps and I'm sure Android apps to play magic, and they're a small investment compared to what you'd actually have to pay <clears throat> to play uh, to play the uh, the actual card game. And I, I think they're, they're designed, and they're designed to kind of whet your appetite and go, oh, wow, this is cool, you know, I, it might be fun to actually play with people. So, 
you know, if not, then you just play, you spend your 10, 15 bucks, and, you know, you have fun for a year, and then they come out with another app, and then it's another 15 bucks, and, you know, I'm betting, <clears throat> I, I would guess that Magic players just play this, you know, if, the, if they play the card game too, they're going to play this too, maybe, maybe not. I, I played with the app a couple times and found it to be, you know, a fairly good adaptation of the real game, and with a much smaller investment. I just, I just played the free version, so whatever. Anyway, it's fun, right? If you want to play Magic, you don't have to pay for it. There are, you know, there's Lackey CCG, which is another way to kind of play Magic for free. <clears throat> um, you can always proxy cards and whatnot. You know, you're not going to win any prizes or anything. I think, I think some of the appeal that draws people to Magic is the Pro Tour and this idea of Becoming the best Magic player and eventually playing Magic is your income. I don't know if you can actually make a sustainable income playing Magic. I suppose it's possible, theoretically at least, but I'm not sure someone will actually do it and quit their day job. So, you know, it's a tantalizing idea at the very least. You know, like a professional gambler, I suppose. Although I don't understand how that's even possible. Unless you're, you know, counting cards or something. Yeah, you could make an investment. You could you could live off of magic, and you could buy it and uh, resell it and that sort of thing, and invest in it. And yeah, you could probably do fairly well for yourself. So that's that's another interesting aspect. You know, uh, when you think about collecting Star Trek CCG, I collect it. I collect sealed stuff. I collect open stuff, but usually only what I need. Not necessarily collecting it in the hopes that I'll get a return on it. Magic, there's definitely a possibility of a return on it. Um, especially sealed stuff, I don't know about stuff so much. So, that's another aspect that is interesting to compare and contrast. So, what else? Magic, uh, there's just so many players playing it that you'll never run out of opponents. With Trek, you move to somewhere, you might not have an easy time finding someone to play against, at least in person. And of course, Lackey's available. You can play people online, which is great. I just played a 2E game the other day against someone just for fun. It was great. Um, and we weren't going to meet up, you know, even, even though we live a half hour away. And maybe that's where everything's going. Maybe, you know, Magic's definitely supported online. They have their own online base, uh, own online version, which is well supported. It's very expensive. I mean, it's just as expensive as the card game. But if you collect in there, you can eventually get a physical copy of each card, apparently. I haven't really looked into it. Yeah, I remember Stargate trying to do that, and that... I, I can't remember if that worked out that well. Star Trek didn't do that with its own online version, unfortunately. I wish they had, but oh well. So, that's how it goes. You, you can definitely play against someone at any time, which is quite nice. It's definitely hard to find time to play with friends, Star Trek. Usually it's once a week, if at all, probably twice a week, or once once every two weeks I might actually get a time, time to play Star Trek. But if you live near someone, or that sort of thing, then, you know, uh, then Trek's definitely possible. So in a lot of regards, you know, Magic costs more, Trek costs less. Magic is well-supported and long-lasting, and Magic's, uh, Star Trek is almost as long-lived. Star Trek may have been the second or third Star Trek, or CCG, ever made, which is really cool. It shows that it's long-lived, and it's still supported. 
and there's something to be said for that. Magic's got lots of online support, and I'd say Trek has lots of online support. Magic has money to actually give away to pri people as prizes. I didn't talk about Star Trek, but Star Trek definitely has interesting prizes as well. And I think it's a great idea for Star Trek to be giving away valuable cards, at least reprints of them that are legal to play in tournaments, for winning tournaments and playing in tournaments. That's excellent. I think that's a great model. And then eventually gives them away. So, for now, Star Trek, you know, for what it is, you know, the fun over dollar amount, dollar, fun versus investment, Trek has a lot to offer, and I'd say it has almost as much to offer as Magic in terms of fun. So, I, I'm excited to continue playing Trek, and I'm also excited to kind of learn Magic. Um, it's great to kind of, I think, get some perspective on games. I play a lot of games, and it's always fun to kind of try a new game, play it for a little while, play it, and use it as a way to learn the other games better. One thing I didn't talk about is deck size in, I guess, all three games. I think deck size is the, probably the most interesting part of Magic, and it's what I think is probably... It's probably what makes Magic a unique game, in that you need a 60-card deck, and you can only have four of any card in a deck. So, the odds of drawing any one of those cards is, you know, it's highly unlikely you'll actually... I'm not, I'm not gonna say highly unlikely, but it's less than stellar odds to draw a certain card in your opening hand. And since Magic games are much shorter, 15 minutes versus the average 45 or 60 or 75 minute Trek game, you, you're not always going to have the same game uh, every time you play, even with the same deck, even with a well-fine-tuned built deck. And that that is, I think, there's this idea of, in a CCG, is the idea of, do you want the deck to play out the same way every time? Um, do you want to be able to pull off the same tricks every game? And uh, there's the there's a fantastic contrast between 1E, 2E, and Magic. 1E, you get out the cards you need early on. There's always, almost always a way to get out a card you need early on. You've got Q's Tent, you've got um, downloading shenanigans up the wazoo. You need a card out, you're going to get it. 2E, it's a little harder. You build your 35-card deck, you throw in If Wishes Were Horses or Distract or whatever that distracting card is, and maybe you're going to get out that interrupt or that personnel, you're going to use that mission and hopefully get out that personnel out. Um, but it's not guaranteed. And you can draw a lot of cards in second edition. You'll eventually draw into the card you need, most likely. And then Magic. You're trying one card a turn, and you can mulligan, but even that's not a guarantee you're going to get what you need. So, and there are cards that let you draw other cards, but only after two or three turns, usually. So, in Magic, you're, whatever you get is kind of what you get, and you've got to deal with it. You've got to be prepared for just about any situation. And you... I, I don't even know what the right way to build a Magic deck is, because, you know, you kind of go, oh, well, if I draw these cards at the beginning of the game... You know you're, you know you're going to draw seven cards, 
how are you going to react to the seven cards is kind of the trick to magic. You know, are you going to mulligan? Are you going to try, you know, desperately to mull into something? You're going to just play it as it is. You're going to build the deck for multiple contingencies. And there you go. So randomness is kind of, I think Mark Rosewater did a whole podcast on randomness. And Oney is the king of non-randomness. You're going to get what you need, most likely. And um, especially Voyager decks, a lot of them deck by the end of the game. And they've played all like 20 guys, 25 guys by the end of the game. And you're golden. There's not a lot your opponent can do at that point. Battle you, maybe he'll get lucky on his dilemmas, but that's kind of game. Tui is a little bit more random, makes the game a little more interesting, I think. Gives it just a little bit more fun, a little bit less determinism, which I think at the end of the day makes it a little bit more fun. And the magic is the king of uh, randomness, I guess. I'm not gonna, well, I'm not gonna say the king right, because again, you really have to consider your deck differently. So you have to consider the randomness in deck building, and you've gotta account for it. And at the end of the day, you do what you do, but you're subject to what happens. And you've got the sideboard, right? You can throw in cards and hope that you draw what you need to counter your opponent's stuff, but what are you going to do, right? So a lot of interesting stark, a big contrast between all three games. Um, And if you somehow are a player of no CCG or of some CCG I haven't mentioned in this game, and you're listening to this and you're going, hmm, what... Well, I don't know what kind of gamer I am. What what game should I get into? Well, I, I hope, then, if that's you, that this podcast has at least given you some kind of perspective on what all three games have to offer. And know that my personal decision is first edition and second edition just because I have the investment, or I'm invested in them. And I will, let me throw this out, you know, I wasn't, I, I haven't always played second edition. I've only been playing second edition for two years. And I, I threw money into it. I threw more money than I should have into it. Um, but not that much. Not as much as I would have if I was trying to get into Magic, certainly. If I was trying to get into Magic, I would have spent four times the amount I, had, I spent on second edition, easily. And I probably would be unsatisfied by it, and I probably would still continue throwing money at it. Would I have recouped it? Probably not. I think in order to make money in Magic, you got to spend money. That's the only way to do it. So... Second edition, it's kind of a happy medium. Uh, First edition, a lot of stuff is printable, and block is a really, I think, good way to learn the basics, and I don't know if it's the gateway into playing OTF, but it certainly is an interesting way to do it. And there are plenty of competitive OTF decks that are mostly printable. So, Trek is easy to get into. Magic offers some more rewards, a lot more rewards than Trek can offer, but I think at the end of the day, you're going to meet a lot of interesting people playing whatever game you play, and you're going to have fun, no matter what. And it's all about what you want to do, and what fancies what you want to do. And then you can always play Dominion, right? You always play Dominion. That game will never, probably not get stale, at least not in the short term. And there's a ton of expansions for it, and it's it's fun for, you know, the, the total $200 you might invest into it. You're going to have a lot of fun with that, too. So, I, you know, when you think about Trek and a CCG, you have to start thinking about living card games, too. Uh, not that Dominion is technically a living card game. It's really more of a deck-building game. 
and there's always Game of Thrones and stuff like that, but there's all there's a lot of games out there, a lot of fun to be had, and I think Trek offers a lot. So I'll end it here on the very ambiguous spewings I've given out of my mouth that are just fun to talk about. I didn't really have anything else to do on this ride home. So I, I really did, though, th think it would be an interesting topic. So if you play Magic or used to play Magic or play Trek and now play Magic and something like that, give me a call at 267, call CPJ and leave us a voicemail saying uh, what you thought about what I had to say, how you feel about the games. Should everyone stop playing Trek and start playing Dominion? I want to hear about that too. All right, until next time, this is Corbin Johnson saying so long and thanks for all the Trek. Actually, <laughs> you thought you thought the show was over. No, it's not. I, as I was thinking about it and my drive home is almost done, there is one other thing. And now I hate to generalize about people in general. I think it's a nasty habit that nasty thing in general that people shouldn't do. But I did want to kind of talk about the kind of people that are involved in all three games. At least from my perspective, this isn't necessarily how it is, but First Edition, the people I know that play First Edition have been playing it for a very long time. They love the game because of its intricacies and complexity, and just how crazy you can build a deck and just the weird coolness. And so I tend to think of those kind of people as intellectual and a little brainy and that sort of thing. And I like that. Second edition, those people have also been playing for a very long time and they love Trek. And there's some people, you get a mix of people, right? You get the people who really like to find the weird things you can do in the game. And then there's the people who go and just have been playing a long time because they love the game. Um, and they're, they're invested, and there's also new people, and they want to play the game, I guess, probably because other people they know play the game, and they go, oh, this game is actually kind of fun, and I, I, I guess it's hard for me to really kind of say what kind of, what's, to generalize the second edition player. They certainly usually only play certain things after a while, but they're always trying new things, and so they're innovative as well, and usually well-rounded. I don't know. We'll go with that. But Magic, right? Magic, anyone can come and play Magic, and the people who I've met that play Magic, they, uh, most, you know, 90% 90, 90 of them just play it for fun, and they go, oh, it's, it's interesting to play, um, but sometimes they they get really into it and they go, oh, I only play green and blue. Well, why? Because oh, they're my favorite colors. And it's like, well, do you, do you play the game because you're vested in the game? Or do you just play it because you used to play it and you're just having fun with it still? I mean, I don't know. I don't want to say they're dumb. They're not dumb. There's a lot of really smart Magic players. But I don't know. I just, like at a tournament, I feel like Trek players are a lot warmer and they want to help you learn, and Magic is kind of like, take it, you're done with your turn already, can I take my turn? It's just the feeling I get. I'm not trying to say that's how it is. Um, some people are jerks, and of course there's jerks in Trek, um, but, you know, I don't know. I guess I just wanted to kind of say that and say, 
that personally, I like the people who play Trek a lot. And I guess that I've got a lot of friends who play Trek, and I like them a lot. So, um, Magic players are probably cool for the most part, though. Maybe. <laughs> I'll end it here before I get myself in trouble. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so long and thanks for all the Trek.